we eliminated the camera problem and have created a computer problem. And that brings up a point. The camera is very different from the computer, is very different from the microphone. But they must remain united, and unless every one of them does its part, you will not see a live stream. Did you plan that? I did not plan that. I would not want that or plan that. But friends, as I was saying before it went dead, Ben Franklin emphasized that if we do not hang together, we will certainly hang separately. Uh, again, we need to stand together in this endeavor. Otherwise, we are all going to hang separately for treason from the gallows. And Paul says to the church in Philippi, we all need, you need, to hang together, or most assuredly, you are going to hang separately. So stand united, stand in humility, and church, we protect, we protect our unity by humility. And these two women, Yodia and Syntyche, neither one of them seems willing to yield. So much so that Paul, from 800 miles away from prison, feels the need to call them out publicly. You, you see, they would rather be right than be righteous. They would rather protect their own rights than be reconciled to one another. There cannot be unity, church, if there is not humility. And so Paul writes in verse 2, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Now notice he says, agree in the Lord. They're both in the Lord. And the reality is that we are in Christ. And in Christ, unity is essential. It's not optional. It's a necessary consequence of being in Christ. So protecting our unity should be a controlling motivation. And he says, so agree in the Lord. Because church, despite our diversity, Christ died for our unity. As it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made us one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. You see, Christ died for our peace, and the gospel demands our unity. As we read, we read that in Philippians 2, but we also read it in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Church, our relationship in Christ is also declared by our unity. Jesus prayed that we might be united. He prayed for you. He prayed for me. John 17, verse 21. He prayed that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Church, Jesus died for our unity. The gospel demands our unity. And our relationship with Christ is declared by our unity. Unity. Christ died for it. The gospel demands it. Our relationship with Christ is declared by it. So Paul reminds Yodia and Syntyche, and he reminds us today, our unity is precious. So fight not with one another, but fight for our unity. Friends, the majority of the time that someone chooses to leave a church is not over theological reasons. When somebody leaves a church, 
without saying it, they almost always cite irreconcilable differences. But church, our unity in Christ is more important than being right. It's more important than protecting our rights. It's more important than getting other people to do or to believe what you think is right. In 1 Corinthians 8 and Romans 14, the Apostle Paul in both places spoke of laying down not only preferences, but rights for the sake of the unity of the body. Because our unity in Christ is worth sacrificing for. A pastor by the name of Gavin Ortland wrote in a recent book, if we're not sacrificing for the sake of unity of the church, if it's not costing us anything, we probably aren't doing enough. If we are not sacrificing for the sake of the unity of the church, if it's not costing us anything, we probably aren't doing enough. What will our unity in Christ cost you? What might you need to sacrifice for the sake of unity? Friends, Paul has all, as Paul has already written to the church in Philippi and to the church here in Midcoast, Maine, such a sacrifice only comes by humility. Because only humility will sacrifice being right. Only humility will sacrifice its preferences and even its rights. Humility sacrifices the need for everyone else to do and to believe what you think is right to do and believe in a given situation. Humility allows diverse people with irreconcilable differences to live in unity. Because, friends, the gospel, this is the good news, persons with irreconcilable differences can be reconciled together in Christ. Persons with irreconcilable differences can be reconciled together in Jesus Christ. In divorce law, this phrase, irreconcilable differences, refers to an inability of two parties to resolve their differences and save their marriage. Well, well, the truth is, all marriages and all church families and all relationships have irreconcilable differences. Every one of them. Even the most successful marriages, relationships, and churches have irreconcilable differences. Differences that cannot and will not be resolved completely. But friends, in Christ, our differences need not divide us. Persons with irreconcilable differences can live reconciled together in Jesus Christ. Now again, let me make it clear, we're, not, we're talking about differences of personality or opinion or secondary issues or pet peeves or preferences. We're not talking about doctrinal issues. When it comes to primary doctrinal issues of our faith, like the deity of Christ, the incarnation, the literal bodily resurrection, salvation by faith alone, these must be confronted and corrected lest they cause harm to our understanding of and relationship with Christ. Similarly, sin issues need to be confronted, confessed, and repented of. Because, church, we know that unconfessed, unrepentant sin causes harm to our relationship with God, to our relationship with ourselves, to our relationship in our marriages, in our families, and in our church community. So what we're talking about here is differences of personality or opinion on secondary issues, of pet peeves and of preferences. Because that's what seems to be happening between Yodia and Syntyche. The gospel is that persons with irreconcilable differences can live reconciled in Jesus Christ. So why can't we all just get along? That's the question that the title of the sermon asks. Why can't we all just get along? Friends, the problem we find is not the differences themselves. The problem is our hearts. The problem is our hearts.
We remain unreconciled not because of our differences. We remain unreconciled because of our hearts. You see, our hearts are threatened by those who are different from us. They might challenge the rightness of our decisions. Their choice might call into question the righteousness of our own actions. Their unwillingness to go with how we think or how we think it should be done shatters our illusion that we have the right to control or to call the shots. So we try to cover our fragile selves with our, and, our, and our shame with our rightness. We cling to our tattered rags of our self-righteousness. We try to control the situation and control others because of our fear. We remain unreconciled because of our issues. Because our hearts cling to the need to be right. Cling to the need to appear righteous. Cling to the need to have our rights and have our own way. But the good news, church, the gospel, is that Jesus Christ has come to change our hearts. In Philippians chapter 2, you remember and we read, or well, you remember, we didn't read this morning, and if you've never read, go read Philippians chapter 2, because there's a beautiful, beautiful hymn of Christ's humiliation. How he humbled himself, taking on the very nature of a servant of humanity, and then humbling himself even further to die on a cross so that you and I could be reconciled to God. Church, it is by humility that God and humanity reconciled. There's no greater difference than between God and humanity. There is no greater distance than between creature and creator. And yet that gap was bridged. And how was it bridged? By humility. The gospel, the good news, is that we can be reconciled to God by the humiliation, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And friends, if you are tuned in today, and if you are listening, and you have not been reconciled to God through the humble love and obedience of Jesus Christ, please reach out to me through our church website, chestnutstreetbaptist.org, contact, and let me know, because I would love to talk to you, to Zoom with you, to email with you, to communicate with you in any way I can, so that you too might know the love of Jesus Christ and the reconciliation that he has made possible by his humiliation, by his death, and by his resurrection. And that reconciling work of God changes our hearts. We are freed now to just get along. We can be reconciled to God and reconciled to those very different from us. We can be reconciled now to our church family, to our spouse, to our child, to our neighbor, to our friends, to our enemy. Friends, the gospel says, I'm not righteous. I don't need to cling to that. The gospel says, I don't always know the right thing to do. The gospel says, I can't control myself, and I certainly can't control others. But the gospel also says, I don't need to. Because it says, Christ has done it for me. In Christ, I have a righteousness that is not my own. So I don't need to cling to mine. In Christ, I can trust Him to lead rightly and to do rightly and to redeem the wrong that I do. In Christ, I can trust that He is in control of people and situations, so I don't need to be. So, I don't need to be threatened or to threaten those who are different from me. Our irreconcilable differences can remain, and yet, church, we can be reconciled in Christ. Disagreement will not destroy us. Conflict will never destroy us. Irreconcilable differences cannot stop our churches, our marriages, our relationships from just getting along. But lack of reconciliation will. Lack of reconciliation will. Friends, in Christ, reconciliation is always possible. 
Church in Christ, reconciliation is always possible. Apparently, visual and voice is all funky again. All funky? Oh, funky? Yeah, things frozen on our side. Well, it's it's what it looks like. Watch. In my slow motion. Doing some matrix action. Am I doing? If I go backwards, will I do some matrix action? Yeah. Oh, wow. God. See, this is the pet peeves. Friends, I'm just going to finish this, assuming that maybe it will it will finish. We'll see what happens. Maybe it will finish. But friends, we remember we need not battle it out like Yodia and Sintiki, and we never need... Did it just die again? Oh, no, no, you're fine. Keep going. Oh, good. We never need to walk away dividing and divorcing over irreconcilable differences. The gospel says that persons with irreconcilable differences can live reconciled in Christ. Friends, we need our hearts to change. We need to be humbled like Christ was humbled. We need to cling not to our own righteousness, our rightness, or our right to control. The gospel, the good news, is that Christ has made a way for that to happen. And if we are to stand firm, church, if you are to stand firm in your marriage, if you are to stand firm in your other relationships, if we're going to stand together, we must stand reconciled, we must stand in the gospel. And friends, I don't know who you need to be reconciled to. But what I do know is that there's someone, another church member, a spouse, a parent, a child, a neighbor, a friend, an enemy. And don't let this holy moment pass you by. The gospel is that Christ has made our reconciliation with one another possible, no matter our irreconcilable differences. And remember last week I talked to you about how studies have shown that if you make a commitment to something, it doesn't happen in 72 hours, it's not going to happen. So I challenge you now to two things. First, prayer, and then action. First, pray. Pray for that other person. Pray about that other person with whom you desire reconciliation. Pray that the gospel becomes more real to you. Pray that the humility of Christ might clothe you. Pray that the mercy of Christ might change you. Pray that for Christ's heart for that other person. And then having prayed, commit to tangible, practical, measurable action. And complete this statement. Within the next 72 hours, I will do this with, for, or to this person at this time and in this place. In the next 72 hours, I will do this with this person at this time in this place. Now remember, just because you do the right thing doesn't mean that they are going to do the right thing or respond well. But don't let that stop you. You're only responsible for you. So bathe in prayer, take action in the power of the gospel. And may you be clothed in the humility of Christ, armed with the mercy of Christ, filled with the heart of Christ. Why can't we all just get along? Well, the good news, the gospel, is that because of Christ, we can. And so the question for us today is, will we? Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for this truth from your word. And I pray that you would lead our hearts to those persons, that person or those persons with whom we need to reconcile that the power of your gospel would be at work and that you would bring reconciliation for your great name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.